morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and for those of you in the room, and for those of you joining us online, happy Palm Sunday. I hope you noticed when you walked in the palms hanging on the archway. Today we remember when Jesus rode on a colt into Jerusalem, his triumphal entry. People threw down cloaks on the street, people threw down palm branches, and an act of worship of the king. And that's what we get to do together this morning. We lay down everything at the feet of Jesus, and we celebrate and we worship him, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If you are new with us, we are so glad that you're here. If you're online, we invite you to go to our website and fill out a connect card. If you are here in the room, you can scan the QR code on the wall. It will also take you to the connect card. We want to connect with you because we want to invite you in to the community that we have here at First Pres. We care about real relationships with each other and with God. And we want to help you find a way to meet new people, connect into a life group, serve. Because all of those real relationships lead to real transformation and the full abundant life that Jesus has to offer us. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to enter into that abundant life. So please pray with me. God, we thank you for who you are that you sent your son Jesus to ride on a colt into Jerusalem as people worshiped him. And Jesus, we want to do that this morning. We want to give you our hearts and worship you with our lives. Jesus, we have people who are on our minds right now who we want to bring before you in prayer. Family members here in the room. God, people who are suffering. We think specifically about people who are struggling with health issues such as Lana Powell, Joanne Harvey, Jim Canale, Debbie Duvall, and Jackie Faircloth. God, would you just wrap these families up with your love? Would you carry them through the season that they're in? God, would you sustain them? Would you give them endurance? Would you give them rest? Lord, we also bring before you Debbie Torres and the loss of her mom. We pray that you would surround this family with your love, God, that they would find that you, Lord, alone are the one who can bring them the comfort that they need. And God, we also, we celebrate who you are. We celebrate new life in you, Jesus. Thank you for the birth of Carson Victor Walsh to Allison and Nate. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of this little baby for this family, Lord, especially um, and the loss that they've had this year, Lord, we just pray um, that, God, the gift of this baby would be something that just brings them great joy. And, God, for this morning, may we enter into this hour with our whole heart. And, God, I pray for the one. I pray for the one who's here this morning who, Jesus, they're not even so sure about you. They don't know if you're the King of Kings or Lord of Lords. Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself as who you are to them, that you would meet them. Because, God, you are the one who would leave the 99 to go after the one because you love the one. So, Jesus, let that person know that they're the one. They're the one you're going after this morning. Jesus, we worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you this morning. Amen. Good morning, First Pres. Let's stand. 
and get ready to sing songs of praise on this glorious day. We're ready. <laughs> All right.
we have the unbelievable privilege and joy of celebrating baptism this morning. It is such a sign of God's goodness to us all. So I have the privilege of asking Cassie and Grant Levy to bring sweet little Tatum Jean Levy forward. And I guess Jace is in back in crew, right? So you all come forward. They've also asked that the baby's godparents join them. So Mike Bright and Kirsten Walther will be coming and standing with the family. And while you're coming up, I can't wait to welcome all these grandparents and a great-grandfather. We have Cliff Levy, Linda Levy, Cheryl Kilcoyne, great-granddad Siggy Levy, and all kinds of aunts and uncles. We're so excited that all of you are here to share in this moment. Yay! <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Two things are a part of what's happening in baptism. One of them, baptism is a sign or a symbol, but it's also a real thing. So the symbol is a symbol of the real thing, and the real thing is somehow, by the majesty of God, we're connected to the power of the resurrection. And so baptism is both an experience of it and a symbol of it. We die when we go under the water, though we're not gonna dunker. We die to all of the things that are rebellious inside us. And we come to life again, and we're empowered by the resurrected Jesus. The resurrection, which is coming next Sunday. That's what's happening here. It's a real thing and a symbol of a real thing. In a few moments, you're going to be asked to surrender to this reality by helping this little girl grow into owning her faith for herself when she comes of age. Thanks to God, we get to be a part of brand new life, which is true in Jesus and the resurrection. So there you are. <laughs> so Cassie and Grant, as you bring sweet little Tatum for baptism this morning, do you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Say, if so, say, I do. And will you teach her about Jesus? Will you pray for her and pray with her and what it means to worship God? If so, say, we will with God's help. And I get to ask all of you, as the members of this church, representing the whole church of Christ in the whole world, will you promise to come alongside the Levy family, pray for them and encourage them, so that one day, Tatum will be able to claim faith as her own in Jesus? If so, say, we will. All right. Come here, sweet girl. Oh, so beautiful. Okay. Tatum Jean Levy, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, look what God has done. This is all God's work. And I just want to ask you all to continue to be the loving arms and the loving hands of God in little Tatum's life so that she will be surrounded by people that love Jesus and want to help her to do that too, right? So all of God's people say amen. So wonderful. Thank you. 
She's so beautiful and perfect. Congratulations. I just want to make sure you didn't slip. I wanted to tell y'all a couple things about Easter, which is next Sunday. So we're going to have two services in person, one at 9 and one at 11.15. The 11.15 service will also be available on live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and our website. If you want to attend in person, you can register online. Our 9 a.m. service is full, but we still have, that's right, it's full, but we still have 70 spots available at our 1115 service. So you can find that on our website. The link, the tab at the top says Easter, and there's a drop down for reservations. We also wanted to let you know that at both services, Miss Rachel, our director of children's ministry, is going to have an awesome crew experience for our kids that they won't want to miss. I also wanted to tell you about parking. We're going to have our normal lot at Florida and Zach along with street parking, but we're also going to offer a lot at Tyler Street, and you can board the Jolly Trolley, and it will bring you right up front to the church, so you can park in any of those places. We also wanted to let you know something really fun. We're going to have the Buddy Brew coffee truck here on campus. So we won't have our typical coffee and bagels in the hallway. We'll have the Buddy Brew truck here available for you. Um, oh, yeah, I'm seeing some claps in the hallway. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, we can't wait. We're so excited to celebrate Resurrection Sunday with you, whether here in person or with us online. Uh, we hope that you will join us. And like I said, on our website, the Easter tab, you can find everything you need. Thanks. Thank you. I'm here to give you a quick update on FP 2.0. That is our project that we've been praying every day, 7.07 a.m., 7.07 p.m., fasting on the first Wednesdays of the month, etc. This is the trend. This is the move in terms of real estate. And here's, here's the update, and it's the same update I gave you last week. If everything continues to go forward as it is, and in real estate you never know, we will close, that is, sell the property effective April 30th, so four weeks from, from now. So what that means is then we'll have five more months in the building at no cost to us to continue as we make our transition. We will also, as soon as we sell this building, go and buy the property over on Horatio, which we have all been talking about for months and months. So that's what's going on. Unbelievably gifted, talented, and extraordinarily committed people who are part of this church family taking care of all of the, the details in a way really this is what I've been saying all this hard work from the FP 2.0 steering committee has caused me to fall more in love with all these people and more in love with Jesus and that is really the genuine honest truth it's been a phenomenal experience challenging and difficult at times but just a, an unbelievable fellowship of hard work commitment prayer fasting etc so wanted to make sure you understood that Second thing is, the property over on Horatio, after careful analysis, when we first talked about it, we thought we could make the existing sanctuary our permanent long-term home, but it's not going to work, so we're, gonna, but we're building a new one, and all the plans and drawings of that are sort of underway. We're on full speed ahead to get design going, and as soon as we have some stuff to show you, we will. So I wanted to make sure, you, if you have a question, you can ask me, you can ask Tony, you can ask David, you can ask Mary Jo, you can ask Kathy, whoever else is in the room is on the committee, Danielle Mackey is on it, uh, any of the elders of the church on the session, you can ask any of us any questions and we'd be happy to tell you about it. How's that? We good? We good. Let me change gears and talk about your unbelievable generosity. So in all of these difficult days, we're okay. 
And the reason we're okay is because you have found a way to make your gifts and your talents and your finances a part of the mission of First Presbyterian Church. So we always put up these ways that you can continue to give. But here's what I want you to know. It matters that we're in this city because we're caring for people. We're making a difference. And the generosity that shows up on the financial pages is a part of how we can keep doing it. And here's what I wanted also to do. I want to connect this generous heart that you are to what we're about to sing. We're about to sing a Palm Sunday triumphal entry song, and in it is the word Hosanna. And what this is about, if you go to Mark chapter 11, for instance, the Gospel of Mark, and you see the people gathered in Jerusalem, but it's not the royalty, it's the everyday ordinary people, and they're saying this word Hosanna. And the word Hosanna means two things. It means a celebration, but it means a celebration because underneath the celebration is a cry for help. People needed help. Hosanna, God, save us. And because they believe and surrender to Jesus as the person they believe can save them, it's also a fanfare of palms and waving and shouting. But it's because they know they need saving that they can say Hosanna to the one who can save them. And that's what I want you to realize. When you surrender your gifts and your talents and your money, you're saying, Hosanna, God, save me and help me be a part of you doing what you're going to do in the world to put all things back together again, including my broken heart. So let's sing this song now. Adam, we have here as a guest, and Adam is the person that Tom helped us find. I mean, Tom helped us find Adam, and Tom has taught us this song before, and we're going to sing it again. Tom Ewing and his grandson are here from Loveland, Colorado. He's like a member of our team. So I'm doing a bunch of things at once, but introducing this brother is so much fun for me to do. Are you going to pull your mic over right here? So Tom is going to help us sing this song. Friends, Hosanna, celebration of the one who can save us. God, save us. Thank you, Tom, for being here with us. Always great to be with you guys. Let's all stand together. We'll sing this together. And uh, it's been mentioned a couple different times. McLean, when she opened, and uh, fits some of the things that, that he shared, too. And, and Kathy, even with the, the remarks uh, at the baptism there, God is here to do stuff. And when Jesus walked into the city of Jerusalem, this is Palm Sunday, you know, but it, back in the day, that, that day, that day, Jesus walked into Jerusalem after three years of going through the, the area, healing people and talking about stuff and bringing truth, and most people were like blown away at every stop. Other people were really mad because they didn't like uh, Jesus like disrupting the system. Uh, he brought a new normal. He brought the normal kind of thing. And um, uh, McLean said this, I think in your prayer, McLean, at the beginning of the service, that there's people here from all different places. And one of the coolest things about God is he doesn't expect us to be any place other than, than where we are right now. In our lives, in our hearts, in our journeys. And that is so awesome because we don't have to like arrive at some magic, you know, plateau for Jesus to go, oh yeah, this is where I'm going to meet you. He's like, I'll meet you where you just, just right where you're at. And uh, that was the beauty of when he came into the city of Jerusalem he was coming to meet people who already knew about him. He was coming to meet people that had questions about him. He, had, he was coming to meet with people that had heard rumors. 
people that had questions. Uh, I'm not even, I've heard he can do great stuff, but I'm not sure he could do great stuff for me. And as Fitz was saying, the, the cry, Hosanna, when, and it was started by a bunch of little kids, that while Jesus was coming in on the donkey, on the colt or whatever it was, comes down the road, they're laying down the palm branches, and, and they start kind of waving branches, and the little children began singing, infants, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then the crowd joins in, and then just this crazy moment happens. And uh, I just believe today in this place, God wants a crazy moment to happen. He wants to meet us right where we're at. And as Fitz shared, when we sing the words Hosanna, it means God, save us, help. We need your help. There's stuff in our lives that need your power and your grace. So as we sing this, just I just invite you, me, all of us to just open our hearts to God wanting to bring to us today that what he uh, would, would desire to bring to us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He comes to touch the lame. To take the shame, he comes to prove the Father's love. He comes to wash the stains, he comes to break the chains, he comes to claim us as his
say a prayer for us real quick. You can, be, you can have a seat. Lord, we just invite your presence here. We thank you that you are here today to touch the lame, to bring the shameful out of their shame into a place of acceptance. And Lord, I just pray, God, your special blessing upon this congregation, every person, individual here, Lord. Would you just remind us all, God, that you accept us just as we are through the blood of Jesus and that you have come just as you did that day into Jerusalem to do your thing in the lives of people. And that thing is above and beyond anything we could even ask or think. And we give you thanks for that today. Welcome your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So they were waving these palms. They just pulled them off of trees common in that land, waving them back and forth, back and forth on the same day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And as you've already heard, as they were waving these palms in front of him and laying them down at his feet as he came in, he knew that this was days from when he would be executed on the cross. Waving them, they were shouting Hosanna over and over and over again, led by the children. A Hebrew word that means save us, help us. It was a desperate cry for help. Because as Jews, their circumstances were unbearable. Living under the oppression of Roman rule. What the crowd had no way of knowing was that just minutes before this took place, before Jesus even got to the city gate, before he saw this palm parade, Jesus paused just outside of the city. And this is what he did. It said, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And said, if you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? If you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? When I was in the Holy Land, I stood on a hillside just outside of the city gate. Knowing that Jesus wept for them, I knew that Jesus has wept for us. When we've tried to force peace and contentment to only receive it a certain way, I know that he has wept for me when I've gone down that path. Because on this day, they were convinced that they knew exactly how they wanted to get peace. They expected Jesus to act like King David, to be the kind of Messiah that would get rid of Roman rule and Roman oppression and finally bring the peace and contentment that they longed for. That's what they expected Jesus to do. But Jesus didn't deliver, not in the way they hoped he would. So they respond by turning on him. Just a few days later, same crowd, but instead of yelling, Hosanna, now they're yelling, 
Crucify him. Over and over and over again. Peace. Lasting contentment. These things are not and cannot be dependent on circumstances. Not for them and not for us. Peace and contentment depend on a relationship with Jesus. They just wanted their circumstances to change. But circumstances come and go. We all know about the rise and the fall of Rome. But Jesus doesn't come and go. Yet we're convinced that if only I had fill in the blank. If only I were, if only I weren't, if only I hadn't, if only things were, if only I owned, if only I could, if only this circumstance would change, then I would finally be content. But in this letter that we've been reading together called Philippians, during this message series, it all comes from Paul, whose circumstances are horrendous. And Paul is writing this letter to some friends. And as he writes, we can't miss the fact that unlike the people that turned on Jesus because he didn't meet their expectations on that day that we celebrate now as Palm Sunday, Paul built his life on his relationship with Jesus and not on circumstances. As Paul is writing and sending this letter to these friends in a church that he planted in the city of Philippi, he's sitting in a jail, a frightening set of circumstances where execution for him could come at any moment. And his friends that receive his letter are amazed that Paul, in spite of his circumstances, is able to say this, I'm glad in God, celebrating more than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Glad, celebrating, happy, in prison. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in Christ Jesus who makes me who I am, or I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul had learned that better circumstances will never bring lasting contentment and peace. Did you hear that? Paul learned that better circumstances will never bring lasting contentment 
and peace. And when I'm tempted to think that lasting contentment can be found over here where I'm trying to work it and control my circumstances, Paul helps me. It's as if he takes my face and says, Kathy, lasting contentment and peace can only be found in Jesus and in surrendering your life and your circumstances to Jesus. Paul was living a surrendered life. Even in jail, he was yielding his circumstances, his decisions, his directions to Jesus. Even there. Because Paul was a man who before meeting Jesus, he understood that God is not a formality. He's not a tradition. He's not a Sunday morning meeting. It's a relationship. Before Paul knew Jesus, he lived his life as a type A, shot out of the cannon, highly respected Pharisee. The next it guy. Always striving for perfection. Always striving to get the rules right. Always in control as he zealously hunted down anyone that he believed to be an enemy of God. The followers of Jesus. And yet, Paul was ineffective in living a life well lived, in living a full life. He wasn't enjoying lasting contentment. That only began when he surrendered everything to Jesus. And it was then that his attitude shifted and he was able to say to God, whatever my circumstances, whatever risk, God, that you want me to take, whatever prison they throw me in, whatever you want me to do, oh, I will do it. I will most certainly do it for you. I am all yours. Because an effective, content life is first and foremost a surrendered life, yielding our heart, yielding our plans, yielding our circumstances to Jesus. But there's something else that is just as important. You surrender, yes, but you don't do it alone. You also stay surrounded. That's why we want all of you to experience one of our life groups in this church. Because a life group is an opportunity to surround yourself with people who are also surrendered to Jesus. And before you know it, your life, your heart starts to become much more full and rich and meaningful because of the way they encourage you because of the way that they pray for you and with you, because of their wise counsel, because of the way they support you when you're going through difficult times, because of the way as you pursue Jesus together, there's no such thing as a stupid question about Jesus or the Bible. And all of that 
changes your life. Ask anyone who is in a life group and they will tell you the same thing. In fact, I know, Carl, that you've been in a life group for quite a while. And so I want to ask you this question. Carl Walker, has being in a life group changed your life? Yes. <laughs> no, um, I didn't know if it was on or not. So, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm in two life groups. And uh, the first one is a uh, men's Bible study. I highly recommend it um, on Thursday mornings uh, for the guys. And then um, about a decade ago, I got in another life group. And I've had a tough decade, a tough 10 years. Um, and this life group has been with me through the tough times and just the blessed times as well. So um, I, I couldn't have gotten through this decade without, without my friends. So, yes, it's definitely changed my life. Thank you so much, Carl. And Danielle Mackey, I know that you're in a life group, and you also lead a life group. Has this changed your life? Yes, most definitely. Um, I remember when I first started going to First Pres, Kathy invited me to the life group, 7.30 a.m. on Thursday mornings. I was like, maybe I'll go once a month or so. Um, and it totally changed my life. Um, it created a community of amazing women. Um, they inspire me, they hold me accountable. And then recently, Kathy asked me to lead a life group. Sadly, it's technically what my life group was, the young 20s, now we're the late 20s. <laughs> um, but these girls are incredible, and it draws me so much closer to God. Um, the relationships I have with them, the saying, um, be the person your dog thinks you are, I feel that way with my life group. Like, be the person that they think I am, um, and it just keeps drawing me closer to God. And Danielle Duvall, I know that you've been in a life group for a while. Has this changed your life? Uh, yes, so I've been in my life group for six years. Um, my favorite part is that the women come uh, are authentic, vulnerable, which really allows us to share life. You can't share life without being open, right? So um, they have encouraged me, supported me, loved on me, celebrated with me, and I get to do the same for them. So. Um, it really has. It's been great. Awesome. Thank you so much. You know, you heard them say from their hearts how this has changed their life. And I want you all to understand that it changed Paul's life to stay surrendered and stay surrounded by other followers of Jesus. And you can totally tell in the rest of his letter to his friends in Philippi, it comes roaring off the pages as he continues and says this, I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. You just heard Carl say that. You Philippians well know, and you can be sure, I'll never forget it. When I first left Macedonia province, venturing out with the message about Jesus, not one church helped out in the give and take of this work, except you. You were the only one. Even while I was in Thessalonica, you helped out, and not only once, but twice. Not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues forth from generosity 
and now I have it all. He is in jail, right? Yeah. And now I have it all. And keep getting more. The gifts you sent with Epaphroditus were more than enough. Like a sweet-smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing to God to no end. And this same God who takes care of me, see him loving on them? This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. And I love it. He just can't help himself. He's just so worked up and excited because he loves his people so much. He said, oh, by the way, our friends here say hello. All the Christians here, especially the believers who work in the palace of Caesar, they want to be remembered to you. Friends who work in the palace of Caesar, Paul knows that the circumstance that is horrendous of being in jail for him is worth every minute of it because he was able then to befriend the palace guard of Caesar himself. And they became followers of Jesus, brothers to Paul, and now they're excited about sharing hellos back and forth to Paul's friends in Philippi. Kind of like, I can't wait to meet you guys. And then this final word, receive and experience the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep within yourselves. Not only do these people matter to Paul, but Paul matters to them. He loves them. It's going both ways. They are spurring each other on in faith, in generosity, and learning how to be surrendered to Jesus' people. And you can tell that Paul cannot stop thanking them for all of their love and all of their support. Well, you know who else can't help but thank us and offer us and spur us on to encouragement in faith, in generosity, and learning to be surrendered to Jesus' people? My friend and yours, Alexis Kwame. Alexis Kwame is now the vice president for the entire southern portion of the continent of Africa. And he couldn't wait to share his appreciation with all of us for our first pres tithe for the country of South Africa, which he oversees, so that teenagers there might come to know the hope of Jesus, so that they too might surrender to Jesus. He sent us a video that I can't share with you this morning due to some technical issues, but in that video, my friends, it is clear that it's going both ways. It's clear that it's so much more than a thank you because he is spurring us on in generosity and faith and surrender to Jesus. He shares with us that his leaders, his staff, feel so loved by us and encouraged because we're all on the same road of faith 
together. And that as we pray for them and support them, they're praying for us. In fact, in his message, he said, I want to pray this blessing over you. And you know what it was? Paul's blessing and prayer over his friends in Philippi. May God supply all your needs according to his glorious riches through Jesus Christ. Friends, it is unbelievable what God can do, especially when we stay surrendered and stay surrounded. Here is my hope for you. You may not be a follower of Jesus. Or you can't remember a moment in your life when you didn't know Jesus. Perhaps you're new in your relationship with him. Or just a little bit curious about him. My prayer is that wherever you are, that God would stir in you a desire, a hunger to want more. Because I can't wait for you to discover what will happen if you surrender and yield to Jesus, turning over control. All, everything, each day, your heart, your life to him. I can't wait for you to discover what will happen in your life if you surround yourself with others surrendered to Jesus' people and receive from them, receive from the community that God has placed around you. Stay surrendered. Stay surrounded. Paul has made his case. This is the path for lasting contentment. And he'll be the first one to tell you, it doesn't mean there won't be difficulties, and it doesn't mean there won't be challenges and hard circumstances, but in the end, you will find that you are content. Your life is full and rich and fruitful and faithful when you stay surrendered and stay surrounded. Please pray with me now. Jesus, we're tempted to hold tightly to control, to hold tightly to our expectations of you and what we want you to do. But Lord, I pray over my friends right now that they would be able to just sit with you in the most authentic way and repeat these words in their hearts after me. God, I want to take a leap of faith. Jesus, I want to surrender to you my heart this day, everything. I want to give and surrender and yield to you my decisions, my circumstances, all of it to you. 
Father, I give all that I know of myself to all that I know of you. And I can't wait to see what will happen in my life when I yield and surrender rather than control and over control. Jesus, bless my friends now to be able to receive and give from those that you have surrounded them with on purpose. You have put people around them. I pray that you might even give someone sitting here not only new life in a relationship with you, but new life in a relationship with others who are surrendered to you so that together we can walk this road of faith surrendered and surrounded all of it coming from you thank you thank you thank you lord amen and now as we sing just the last stanza together let this be an opportunity these just few words for you to say okay god i'm all yours I surrender, and I'll think about being surrounded too. Amen.